Contrology, Pilates, the method, the work. However you want to describe it, it is the brainchild of German creator and inventor, Joe Pilates. Hello everyone, I'm Darian Gold. Thank you so much for joining us on All Things Pilates. When a Pilates conversation happens, especially with those who have only heard bits and pieces about the method, usually there is nervous laughter about bodies contorting on torturous contraptions. But all that changes when someone begins a Pilates program and is introduced to this brilliant system. They get to work on fun apparatus like the reformer, the different chairs and barrels, and even the Cadillac. There are a number of Pilates apparatus companies supplying studios and individuals. But currently, newer Pilates companies have entered the market. Many of these companies replicate the existing Pilates designs. Today we have with us Joseph DeRuvo, who is not a replicator but an innovator. Joseph has reimagined the Pilates designs and in a very unique way. He's here to tell us about these designs and what makes them so different. Hello, Joseph. Welcome to All Things Pilates. Hey, Darian. Happy to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. Joseph, Tell us, yeah, go ahead. yes, tell our listeners, what is your connection to the Pilates method? I've been uh, practicing the discipline, I think probably getting close to 20 years now, um, 15, 20, I, in there somewhere. I'm bad with time, in there somewhere. Uh, teaching for uh, better, than, uh, better than five, I think maybe close to eight. I started off at, a, um, at the gym that we uh, attended had a very serious gym habit. It was like seven days a week, uh, leaning my wife when people were impressed, saying, oh, you go seven days a week. She was always quick to point out that six days is discipline, seven days is addiction. <laughs> exactly. So, so uh, she, um, she went to a free mat class that was offered, uh, that the gym offers. Uh, she uh, called me up. I was uh, uh, in... Uh, West Coast doing some computer business. And um, she said, you have to try this. You were made for it. And I was familiar with Pilates from the court case because I have a patent law perversion of some sort that I just like reading about. So I remember when the court case came up and um, came home, did it, and it just added to our gym addiction. So it was three days a week doing the mat class with uh, an instructor who became a dear friend, uh, Carla Fabre. Uh, she was um, power Pilates trained. At any moment in the class, if she said, "Okay, now we're going to levitate," I would, I would be like, "Okay, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm with you. You say levitate, I'm going to do my best." But that, that started. And and uh, another instructor, uh, Caroline Benton, was Romana trained, and she was fortunate enough to bring uh, Kathy Ross and Mejo Wiggins in, and. They were just ever so kind uh, and so um, appreciative. And so they introduced me to Simona Cipriani 
And after doing math classes for enough years, the old ladies in the class would come up to me and ask me, when are you going to get certified? Were you thinking about getting certified? Um, I have... I have a long-standing theory. I got lots of theories. One of them uh -oh. is um, uh, teaching, uh, politics, and preaching. Oh, no. Um, no one should go into if they just one day wake up and think, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, those three fields, I really think people should be requesting you to do those things. You should never go in self self-intentioned. It should be people coming up to you and saying, oh, have you ever thought about? Uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm serious about that. And I had been a photographer for all my life, out of the womb. And I had a photography teacher who, who said, uh, I'm going to give you my class. You're going to take it over. You're going to teach it. And I had not any intention of it, but he thought that's what I should be doing. And I trusted him. And I said, okay. Uh, so I started teaching photography at that point. Was that natural? Um, Was that a natural transition for you? Teaching, I I am severely dyslexic. Uh, I have uh, a number of uh, learning uh, disabilities, uh, we might say, challenges. And I've got like one foot pretty much in the spectrum. So So I always had a difficult time in school. And I was always very critically objective of how people teach. So, so, so I had spent a lot of time looking at the process going, ooh, really, that's how they do it? So it did come naturally only because the process of learning did not come naturally. Oh, that's interesting. You know, when you're familiar with something, it becomes harder to teach it almost because it's so organic to you. Again, going back to teaching photography, um, I would say to someone like, you know, when you photograph your spouse, if I was to ask you, you know, to describe them, you would give me intimate details or just, you know, nuances that, that you recognize. But really, you know, if I need to recognize them on the street, it's like they're six feet five. You know, I mean, you've become accustomed to that. But for someone else, like, no, that's the defining factor. So with that idea, when something comes too easy, it's too familiar, it's it's almost too intimate, it's harder for you to communicate that. And when things come more difficult, it's a little bit easier to say, oh yeah, I know where you're coming from. This is how I describe it. I mean, not to go too deeply into all this, but at the same time, um, I had been the head deacon of a congregational church in Connecticut here for uh, many years. Uh, the um, the senior pastor was um, getting on. Uh, he was getting ready to retire. Many of the parishioners were coming up to me and saying, "Oh, when are you going to get your seminary so that you can just so that you can just stop preaching?" And at the same time, the you know the people in the Pilates class were saying the same thing. So there was there was some questioning of what am I supposed to do? And really, I'm just a photographer, you know, uh, and everything else was just, you know, as needed. But so the situation was, I was actually up on the pulpit one day looking at people uh, and going, fuck, they can't even take care of their own bodies. I, I mean, they can't even muster the strength to sit up straight, to have some discipline of how they engage uh, their their bodies 
I thought if they can't be responsible for this, how are they how are they ever going to be responsible for, you know, spiritual truths and yes. things unseen, you know? Yes. Yes. So I thought, ah, I'll let God take care of the spirit. I'll take care of the body as Good. best I can. Nice. And and that was really that that was really the defining point. It was like, okay, I'll 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 do the bodies and we'll see, you know. We'll see what we have to offer that's a people. Great, and that so, is a great story and a great entry into the Pilates method from that perspective. Yeah. It had always been somewhat organic to me. And and so it always felt comfortable. And when um, Mijo specifically, when Mijo said, uh, you should go and see Simona. Simona was teaching out of SUNY Purchase at that time. And I just went and it was it was a, it was a basement. It was a windowless basement. Uh, and as a photographer, I had spent my lives in windowless basements. And so when we walked in there, it was like, oh, this feels this feels familiar. I, I can I feel comfortable here. And we had walked in, Lenny, my wife, you know, was home and and I was just gonna go in and think about the mat certification. And I, you know, left there, not only signed up for the full certification, but I ended up working with Simona. Uh, and helping her. I renovated the studio and I redid her logos. Yeah, out of necessity. We've 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 done many, many a thing. Oh, so you have a whole other skill set. Um antsy <laughs> uh, antsy and a sense of design, always a sense of curiosity. How is this made? Why is it made like this? Why is it done like this? Process. And material, it doesn't matter what it is. There's just always a, a pleasure of poking my finger in something and seeing what squirms. And that leads me to my next question, which is, as I said in the opening, there are a number of apparatus companies providing the Pilates community with equipment now. Are you working towards having an apparatus company and jumping into the game? Or is it too early to ask that question? No, no, no. You can ask it. Uh, you can ask it because because um, I should be responsible. And you should have um, your answers ready to go, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm 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 couching just a bit. I have a design, and in all seriousness, when I'm walking around with my camera, and there's a moment, it's a revelation. It's a frozen moment in time. And if I feel like for whatever reason I could see something in that moment then it's my responsibility to communicate that. I, I need to share it. And with any of my designs, some have attributed me with designing the first or, or kind of making the first iPad. I think 20 plus years ago, I had uh, taken a, an Apple laptop and put a touch screen on it and put it back together and turned it into, in essence, what became an iPad. But again, the design comes, I feel responsible to share, and I put it online and shared it, and it created a buzz. The Pilates designs, the, the drawings and renderings, likewise. I have a picture of what it is in my mind. I work through um, drawing it out, rendering it in 3D, making mechanical drawings of it. I prototype it and build it, and I look at it, and I use it, I use it with my clients, and I go, it works, it works. No one's, no one's dying. So my responsibility then. Okay, okay, sorry to interrupt you. We're getting a little ahead. Let me ask you, when you were first introduced to the apparatus, what apparatus did you work out on? 
Gee, that's a tough one. I had spent, I had spent 10 years only doing mat work. Really? I mean, I think it was, I think it was like 10 years only doing mat work. Um, we try not to be stupid. So, so I educated, you know, I, I did the deep Google dive and like I said before, patent lore and patents, they are things that give me certain perverse pleasures. And so I grabbed all the patents that Joseph Pilates produced. I looked through patents that other people produced. Even before I got onto a reformer, the gym that we went to had a Graz studio um, uh, to uh, Caroline Benton, to, to, to her credit, she got them to put in a, a Graz studio, but they had a group studio that had uh, peak or something. And even before being on the equipment, just while I'm working out, I'm looking at the equipment in the group studio and I'm redesigning that stuff. I'm redesigning it ignorantly, but I'm looking at it and I'm going, oh, this could be better. Now, going to Simona uh, without any real experience on the reformer, within, you know, within the next day or two, you know, she puts me on it and I'm, I'm doing the work because the mat work is good. I mean, the mat work is really good. Prepares you. It absolutely does. And again, I'm looking at people, I'm being conscious coming. I mean, thank God from a photography background, it's a, it's a life skill of learning how to see. And oh, so well I'm seeing people and I'm figuring out and there's not with any prejudice, but with a disciplined eye, if there's a Formula One car and it has square wheels and there's a Formula One car right next to it and it has round wheels, well, I can look at the one with the square wheels and go, I don't think this is going to work very well. I mean, the engine's humming, but once that thing starts moving, it's going clunk, 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 clunk. But with the round wheels, that sucker moves. So I'm looking at people moving. I'm looking at clients and other instructors. And, and with an eye to mechanics, I go, oh, this one moves well. This one, not so well. They're dedicated. They're committed. But the movement is different. And then it's Simona's patience. You know, I'm pulling her to the side. And I'm saying, why is this one different than that one? What, you know, what is being missed? You see with your photographer's eye, yeah. you know that something is different. You don't know exactly what it is. You need, that's the education that you're learning from Simona, right? Yep. So from the education that she provided you and your photographer's eye, you've been able to bring those two ideas together so that when now, I don't know how many years you've been designing your own apparatus. How, how many years now? Oh, it's been um, eight, I don't know, eight years, maybe. I, I mean, again, from drawings, let me go back just a little bit. Looking at, I mean, again, the studio was all grots and I'm, I'm, I have uh, family members who build titanium bicycles. I photograph their studios. I photograph, I mean, the production facility. I photograph the bikes in the studio. I'm familiar with it. I like manufacturing. So I'm looking at the Graz equipment and it's beautifully manufactured. There's no question about it. But 
I didn't think about designing really until there was the revelation of these suckers are a pain in the ass to move. Oh yeah. I mean, they are just, and, 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 and that, that thought of moving it started the, the inclination of, oh, well, how do you make this better? And then the realization of the price. And then you're going deeper and you, and you think about the exclusivity of the practice. You think about the lack of diversity. And, and then you start to think, well, you know. What do you mean the lack of diversity? What does that mean? I mean, I mean, on, on the, on the grandest, you know, people that can afford it just economically, you know, people that can afford to open a studio, to practice Pilates, to take sessions, you know, th there's just a, there's just a barrier there. And in my mind, I think more often than not, the barrier is someone's dropping 30, 50, $80,000, a hundred into a studio. And that means that your hourly session rate has to be X because you have to pay X plus in studio rent. Yes. Not to mention paying off the equipment. So, so everything kind of gets pushed out of reach of, let's say, an average person. So we end up with this very kind of insulated group. It's a really good point. Just because of the cost of starting a studio. So in my mind, it was the idea of moving it. It was the idea of making it affordable. And as I've said often enough, I am near cannibalistic <laughs> in the sense of, you know, there are, there are those cannibals who the idea is that the ingestion of someone is, is a loving impart. It, it, is, it is taking them literally into yourself and it's done ritually to become, you know, one with. And there is no discipline that I practice uh, that is not somehow part of me taking it apart, sticking my fingers in it, and seeing how it works. So likewise with the Pilates studio, so the Pilates equipment. So that was the, that was the thinking. Now, you ask about manufacturing. I and, did. And I'm being... <laughs> did I ask you that? Did, you did. You did. You, you asked about, you know, am I or am I yes. looking to be? Yes. And, and yes. again, I have theories. And I, I feel a criteria of, of anyone starting a business, at least for me, it, it needs to serve the community. Uh, and it needs to have a purpose greater than oneself. So in my mind, making affordable equipment, making accessible equipment serves the Pilates community. Uh, having it be employee-owned serves my immediate community. And having it be, if I could pull it off, having it be predominantly uh, ex-incarcerated individuals uh, working, mm. uh, those are the kinds of things that I think, oh yeah. Love that. That makes it worthwhile. Any, I mean, anything less, I don't need a name on something. I, I don't need my life. Thank God every day. I mean, you know, we have a cup of coffee, we have a treat. We go, life is good. Yes. Life is pretty, yes. life is pretty perfect. I'm not looking for anything else. But there are people that, that don't even have those opportunities. So if I could, you know, if anything that we produce could benefit them or how it is produced, 
So, so that is that is one aspect. The other aspect of manufacturing, in my mind, is from our designs, the way we designed it, I can produce a kit, I can produce instructional manual on how you can go to Lowe's or wherever and get all the pieces that you need to cobble together your own reformer or any of the equipment. And, and I would think about doing that. I'm not taking patents out on anything. I'm not laying hold to any kind of copyright. I'm kind of saying this needs to reach to a greater audience. How can we do that? And, and that, that would be my goal. Joseph, do you have a workspace that is near your home or in your home? How are you designing these pieces? And tell us, after you answer that, can you describe the kind of materials that you use? We know that Joe yep. used mostly wood and yeah. wood can be yeah. heavy. And as you were saying, to your point, do you have this workspace that you're in there and tinkering around and where are you getting your supply of materials? All those kind of questions. Those are all, those are all good and valid. When I say it's a blessed life, I am not in any way, I'm not kidding. We have a two family house from the 1920s. And in back, uh, what we have is what had been a three stable barn, but it was big enough to hold, you know, three, three horses and, and it's lofted. So like there's a, there would be a hay bale uh, up there and I could spit and hit it from our back porch. Um, so two thirds of it is the Pilates studio where I see clients. And the other third is a shop, is just a regular functional shop with air compressors and cutting tools. When I did photography, it was the photography studio. And it was a shop because I would build lights and I would build cameras and, and other photographic equipment. So I always had a shop. But when, when we started doing Pilates and at the beginning of the quarantine and pandemic, you know, I'm sitting at home and I thought, well, I guess it's time. Let me gut the studio and convert it into the Pilates studio. And, and that's what that's what I did. So I converted it and I had the equipment because I'd been working on building the equipment, but I moved everything in there and, and got it set up. So, yeah, so I teach out of out of two thirds and and I work out of the uh, I build out of the other third. And it's a funny there's a prejudice assumption of what a body worker is, uh, who a body worker is, that type of person. It, it's it's certainly you know it it's a it's an assumption. It, it's a maybe an ignorant expectation, but that's what you picture and think. And so, it would be bad. And I I recognize why these things come about because I would be in the shop building and bending metal the the material of choice that we use for building bending metal and cutting it and i'd get metal slivers in my finger or whatever and i keep my clients to fridays and saturdays so i can work on the equipment the other days of the week but you know occasionally someone says i can't come in friday can i come in on a thursday that's fine come in on thursday well that's no problem but 
What's different is I've been working in the shop building and then, you know, you come in for your session and, and my clients, God bless them. They're, they're wonderful. I'm taking them through something and I'm, I'm gripping a hold of them and I'm moving them through the movement. And they're like, have you been working in the shop? And, and I'm like, oh yeah. And they're like, you can loosen your grip. It's like, oh, okay. I'm, you know, I'm so, I'm sorry. You're, you're guiding someone along. You know, you're, you're kind of taking your fingertips and you're running it along their arm as they, as you get them to reach for the, for the swan on the barrel, and they go, ow, I, you're scratching. <laughs> you know, I got a scratch, and I'm looking, and I'm looking at my fingernails because, right, that's what you always, you know, you always try to keep your fingernails trimmed because you don't want. To, to scratch someone. It's not my fingernail. It's a piece of metal in my fingertip. And, oh, no. you know, I've got calluses. So I'm not feeling it in my finger, right. but it's sticking out and it's scratching oh, they must someone. Love you, so though. they are so patient. They are so, they are so generous, but, but it is a funny, it's a funny exchange. That's why those, I think, I think that's why there are those kinds of separations in people's jobs, you know, you know. but yeah. So I work out of the shop uh, most days of the week. And then I see clients a couple of days. Where do you get the materials? Where do you get the metal? Okay. So I prototype, I prototype with conventional gas pipe. I don't know how to say this more strongly. You say, you know, Joseph Pilates worked in wood. And I want to, I want to qualify that just a little bit more. I love Sean dearly Gallagher, and we'll go back and forth arguing, and he'll be like, well, you can't prove it. And I'm like, okay, no, I can't. But you know what? I build enough, and this is what I think. Joseph Pilates worked with the things that he had accessible. When you look at the photos and when you look at how he cobbled things yes. together, yes, he is not you know, Ford Motor Company or Apple Computer making you know, prototype on top of prototype, tweaking design. I mean, he's like, this is what I found in the street today. And I thought, oh, I can use this to make something. And he carries it up to the studio and he nails it together or screws something into it and puts a spring on it and says, okay, let's do some exercises. Yes. I, you know, people have such a rarefied, you know, picture of how they think he worked. And I just have to say, looking at so many pieces of equipment in his studio, he saw a need and he said, how can I make something to help this person? And, and, and that's, that's what it, I think that's what it was. And perhaps that thinking and that philosophy has been lost a bit. And that money comes into play to such an extent that the idea of your motivation being it's really about helping people help themselves, right? It should, it should be, yes. But there's a couple of things that come into play there. If we want to go down this road, I have the uh, deepest respect for so many of the manufacturers out there, you know, and it's, it's Marat with legacy and it's Russell and Della with uh, lineage, um, Pilates Scandinavia, you know, there, there are these studios manufacturers who are sincere and they, they are artisans. I mean, what they craft is beautiful and it is sincere 
and they they do their best not to mention Pilates design and Graz, who who've been doing it forever in the classical in the classical world. The problem is Pilates instructor. The problem is Pilates instructors. <laughs> if you have if you have someone with perfect pitch, and 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 you hand you know you're playing them a piece of music. And and they have perfect pitch, and and your violin instrument is not tuned just so. They are going to be annoyed and distracted. It doesn't matter what you're playing; they just keep doing. Oh, that string is you know off by a fifth or whatever. Pilates instructors have a phenomenal, a phenomenal sense of muscle memory. I mean, they really do, um, and. It is something to be in awe of, and I would I would tease Simona, and I would swap springs out on her and flip them around, and you know she could actually tell the resistance difference between the springs. Yeah. So it's a real thing. I I, I and yes. again I appreciate it, and like someone with perfect pit, I can stand in awe of it. But it means that people have such intimate relationships with the apparatus and that intimacy i think stands in the way of again democratization making it more accessible because their familiarity is based on more often than not what they trained on that's a good point and what they trained on is a snapshot in history of a manufacturing history and to hold a manufacturer accountable. And, and this is, I mean, it's in some ways it is a vicious cycle to hold a manufacturer, you know, prisoner to the feeling of a spring from 1995 on the third oh, yeah. reformer from the left. Those are the springs. And again, the the instructors, the the participant can feel the difference. So so I am not going to say that they're not justified. They are absolutely justified because they can hear that the string is out of tune. Yes. But the manufacturer is dealing with three different spring suppliers, is dealing with how many different wood suppliers? I, you know, it is a living organism that you are just trying to make as consistent as possible. Understood. And I was a professional baker for years. I taught printing and photography. All of these things are, are moving variables that you're just trying to keep consistent. So, okay. So you've got manufacturers who are trying to maintain a tolerance and they, they just can't. I mean, it's going to be a moving target. You've got instructors who can really feel the difference between one set of springs or another. And at the same time, we're trying to create something new and different that really might serve everyone much better, but it never has an opportunity because every instructor who gets on it, who has name of any value, will say, well, it's not like this. And it's like, it's like, no, fuck, it's not like that. 
it will never be like that. Right. The second one that came off the production line right. is probably not like that. That's what you're familiar with. And you have a perfect, a perfect pitch to remember what that is. But we got to step back. We just have to step back a little bit. And, you know, you're it's our Perlman at your cousin's birthday or wedding and someone hands you a violin. It can be a dime store violin, but, you know, the bride and groom are there and someone asks you to play and they hand you a violin. And you know what? You're not going to. Oh, I can't. I can't play this. This. No, this is, you know. Someone go to the vault and get my Stradivari. So you're you're saying, in essence, that this mindset is denying a whole bunch of people from the experience because they don't have that philosophy. And if we go back to Joe's idea, which was, here's this body, what can I do to help this person feel better, feel stronger, get out of pain? I I hear what you're saying. I was wondering... Is your material of choice only metal? Fuck yeah. Okay. So you only work yeah, with metal. That, that, that's a definitive. Only because I, I am looking for a consistency and affordability and ease of access. Which apparatus do you do now? Do you build? Uh, uh, in the studio currently... We're using, uh, I got the Reformers built in Cadillac, Wonder Chair, uh, Barrel, and next online is going to be the Cadillac. Uh, I got a tower unit also, a tower unit that folds up against the wall. That's unique. Oh, and I've got a, I got a raised bench. Where will you get your springs? I go and I just purchase Graz springs. I just purchased because, because the stigma... <laughs> is is so present that my client the, the client the client only knows what they're familiar with so the client is secondary people who are in the know when they get on the reformer i don't want them to dismiss the reformer because they go oh where'd you get these springs whose springs are these you know uh... i want to be able to say they're Graz Springs, you know, and, and even again, I mean, we have, we have a number of dear friends and they are so generous and people will give me their old reformer springs or their old wonder chair springs. And I'll even put those on so that when someone comes to try out the reformer, I can say, yeah, they're, they're someone's, you know, five-year-old Graz Springs. Did you change the, any of the designs? Are you keeping the specifications and the dimensions, but working- Dimensions are one thing, design is another thing, right? So, so, so the design is completely different, but the dimensions are pretty much bang on. And the second part of that is muscle memory. Muscle memory. I believe that is the, the, one of the largest contributors. No matter, contributors. no matter what the material is. No matter what the, if you, if you're doing um, coordination on the, on the long box, right. And you're spinning around, not coordination, backstroke, backstroke, you're doing backstroke on the, on the long box. Um, it's got two springs. You're spinning around, you're holding the straps and you reach down and you take off that one spring because you're going to spin back around and go into teaser. Correct. Okay. 
if that spring is an inch lower or an inch higher, if that spring, when you bend around to reach down and remove it, if you have to struggle to get it off the hook, if, if your muscle memory is betrayed in that transition, then, then your faith in the apparatus is dead. It's like, wait, this isn't where it's supposed to be. And, and yes, and that's a valid, that is a valid concern. You know, that is when you go into your car and the indicator stick is on one side and on another car, it's on another side, you go, oh, wait, what's wrong with this? You know, the familiarity of having things where you think they should be. Now, that doesn't mean that there's a golden ratio. That doesn't mean that God forbid well, you need to know the work. If we're talking about the classical yes. exercises, yes. if you know the work, I think I remember Romana or someone saying, if you know the exercises, you can do it on any apparatus. You might have to change things up to find that special position in the body for each exercise. You might have to be changing the springs or the carriage or whatever. Right. I mean, yeah, and that that's valid, but that's if you know, you know, that that's that's if you know the exercise, that's if you have an instructor who knows how to cue you. It goes back to I, what you were it goes back to what you were saying about the intimacy right. and having that intimate relationship with the with the apparatus and the work. Yeah. Let me ask you, have you had any pushback from any company out there? Well, I'll be or have they heard about you? I'll, I'll be very honest. No. I'm, yeah, no. I, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, go figure. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be presumptuous that they would even know me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a fly, you know, on an elephant. I mean, well, how would you pay attention? But in the process, in the process, I did. I, I went to uh, Sylvia Pilates Design, and I went to David Agratz, and 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 I've talked to them. And um, were they uh, open with you? Yeah, people people are kind. People are very nice, you know. And 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 even Kenneth Bounds body. Um, pe people are very sweet. And and I, I and just as sincerely as to you, I said, look. I feel like there's something that could be done differently. Is 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 this something you would be interested in? I mean, would you, you know, would you think about, you know, doing a line in this direction that might make it more accessible? And and all of them all are said, like no. Well, all of, I, but again, again, I might I take no exception and it's very sincere. The response is we have a hard enough time keeping up with yeah. what we're doing. And, and I understand. Right. When you look at that, you go, yeah, you do have a hard enough time keeping up with with what you're doing because it takes X amount of time. Do you have photos of all of your apparatus that you have yeah. redesigned and built? Yeah, they're all they're on the website. What's your website? It is <laughs> it's barefootcontrology.com. Barefoot. B-A-R-E-F-O-O-T, Contrology.com. Uh, and it's barefoot because I don't wear shoes. So Ever? So, uh, we live in Connecticut here, uh, and we have, we have a solid, you know, winter. And if I'm shoveling for a couple of hours, uh, I've got these, like, moccasin boots. 
But if I'm just clearing off the car or shoveling a path to the to the cars or, you know, clearing out the front entryway, uh, I'm barefoot. Yeah, I'm barefoot year round. Wow. I run barefoot year round. All right. So so New York City, San Francisco, subways. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm barefoot. I get thrown out of more places than you can than you can imagine. Um, so tell us, but, tell us but, again, one more time, the name of your website and then your company. So it's barefootcontrology.com. And the studio is Barefoot Contrology Studios. So if someone wants to get a hold of you, the best way would be to go to your website and you have your contact information, email and... Yeah, all the contacts. I mean, listen, I mean, uh, all of my all of my social media accounts are public. Early on, early on, I figured, you know, you got to be stupid to put anything on here that's private. So I might as well just leave it public and go, ah, if I put it on there, you're going to see it. So, uh, so yeah, you can, you can message me through any of those also. Well, Joseph, this is definitely a continuing conversation. My curiosity was piqued when you started to describe who might be helping you if your company starts to get more orders and you need help and you're ask, you're asking maybe for people who were once in prison and now yeah. need work. I love that concept, but we're going to stop here. I would love for you to come back. I, <laughs> yes, I do. Go ahead. You could stop here. If you have a clock, yes. you have a clock and you, you know how to use it. You know how to use one. Those hands, they just confuse me. And I think the next time you come on to the podcast, you can tell us more about how the company Barefoot Contrology is evolving and the feedback that you've had perhaps from students or studios who will have reached out to you because of this podcast. But I'd certainly like to invite you back. And I want to thank you so much for your time, oh. Joseph DeRuvo, an innovator. It'd be a pleasure. It'd be a pleasure. Innovator, not a replicator. Oh, innovator is such a strong <laughs> word. Innovator is such a strong... I call myself no. a hack any day of the week. I call myself, I'm just trying to put things together and get it down the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, innovators, much and, too strong. And, and help people along the way. As best we can. It's always a prayer. Yes. Thank you, Joseph. Okay, Darian. Okay. Enjoy. Many of us who are teachers still have an interest in learning and improving ourselves. This is true with my featured student today. Her name is Mary Spragans. Mary just retired after 21 years of teaching 10th and 12th graders. When asked how the Pilates method has influenced and helped her life, she says, Taking Matt Pilates over the past 10 years has given me a better understanding of not only what my body is capable of, but where my strength lies and where my body is in relation to the world. The classes touch on all muscles and works the body as a whole rather than the parts. Turning 60 this year, Pilates is the perfect exercise as it is low impact and a total body workout. All Things Pilates is created, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Mastered Audio Mix by Fabian Romero. You know, from time to time, I have people ask me questions about my teaching and my work. So here are a couple of answers. Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at Studio Darian Pilates, 
also on Facebook at Darian Gold. And way back in 2010, it was so exciting to have my first of two apps accepted on the App Store. And then two years later, I produced my second app that is now not only on the App Store, but also Google Play. Both are just $3.99, less than a latte. And remember, if you can keep a sense of wonder and curiosity about life, even when there are challenges and obstacles, I think you may find possibilities where you never thought to look. See you in a couple of weeks when I welcome the most well-known Pilates photographer, Chuck Rappaport. Be good, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to All Things Pilates.